It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Matea reminding you that this show cannot be made without you. If you've been thinking about becoming a Canada Land supporter, we're having a pretty great sale right now. You'll get premium ad-free feeds of all Canada Land shows, discounts on merch from our store, and exclusive bonus episodes, like a behind-the-scenes tour of the federal budget lockup, more of Boris Johnson's trip to Canada, and of course, more of us yapping about what's hot in politics right now. We want to make it as easy as possible for you to become a Canada Land supporter. So from now until the end of May, we have a special offer for our listeners. Sign up now for just $2 a month for the next six months. Just go to canadaland.com slash join or click the link in your show notes to become a supporter today. From Canada Land, this is Oppo. Bum, bum, <laughs> <laughs> I'm Justin Ling in Toronto, and I'm opposed to Jen Gerson. I'm Jen Gerson, once again dragged back to Toronto, and I'm opposed to Justin Ling. Record scratch, what are you doing here? Oh, does it suck when you have people coming from out of province to comment on your politics? <laughs> Come when to you take have, my when job. Have, when you have random people from other provinces parachuting in to express opinions on your politics once they get that. How I couldn't possibly relate to that as an Albertan. Listen, we're trying to get your pipeline built. You don't have to come over here and try to babysit us. We're working on it, okay? That's a straight lie. <laughs> straight lie. <laughs> this week, we're going to wade ill-advisedly into the belching fire swamp that is the Ontario election. Finally. I like that we avoided the use of the term tire fire because I'm feeling that was getting cliche. Oh, I have, I have just like an entire thesaurus of things that just mean shit show in here. I'm going to use all of them before the podcast is out. I'm pleased. And since the rest of the provincial media won't give him the time of day, Justin sits down with the head of the Ontario Greens to find out why they're bothering to run at all. FreshBooks is a ridiculously easy-to-use cloud accounting software for small business owners like myself. It saves me time and gets me paid faster. It's now used by more than 10 million people worldwide. For your 30-day free trial, go to freshbooks.com slash oppo and enter O-P-P-O. That's O-P-P-O. <laughs> How do you, How do you hear about that? a section? O-P-P-O. Okay, we're good. That's good. Perfect. Take. <laughs> we forgot the end of that sentence. Oh, right. Yeah, you got to put that in the how did you hear about us section. You should, should do that there. Sonos is offering the listeners of Oppo 10% off an order of up to $2,500 for any product on Sonos.com. The offer is available for a limited time only and cannot be combined with other discounts or promotions. Go ahead. Just try. Make my day. Use the promo code OPPO10, capital O-P-P-O-1-0, at Sonos.com to receive this offer. 
So, Justin, we've been putting this off too long. We've been yeah. fighting about it in our Slack channels. We've been <sighs> arguing about it on Twitter. It's time to talk about Doug Ford, the membership yeah. scandal, the mm. rumors, buck a beer, all of it. Yeah, I guess that's true. I mean, so obviously the election campaign has been completely derailed for the 50th time. Like at this point, the train's careening somewhere toward the Atlantic Ocean. Was it ever on the rail? <laughs> For a brief Is second there a rail? in like 2009. As far as I can tell, we're on like off-roading ATVing in the woods <laughs> right now. There is no rail. <laughs> but the most recent derailment came by way of kind of a very confusing membership scandal from the Ontario PC party. Now, if you haven't been following this, the long and short of it is that a recording surfaced and somehow wound up into the hands of the Ontario Liberal Party that purports to show Doug Ford promising to sign up people in Tim Hortons for the Ontario PC party to get a certain candidate elected. And, you know, when they ask, do I have to pay you anything? He says, no, don't worry about it. It's free. And of course, it's not free. It's $10 a membership. So this is seems to be audio evidence of Doug Ford promising to cover the costs of membership for people to join the party and vote for his preferred candidate. On top of that, that preferred candidate's opponent said that she encountered dozens, more than a dozen, different people who never paid their membership fee and yet appeared to be registered Ontario PC members. That's pretty bad. Uh, yeah. So to explain why that's bad, I think we have to explain a little bit to the average person how memberships and how nominations work, because I think that there's some just some the reason why this story isn't necessarily as big as it might probably should be is because, frankly, political parties are kind of like private clubs and they kind of operate under their own rules. And it's very common for people to claim that nominations are rigged or or, or swayed in, in one way for the, the, the favored candidates that the leader prefers or doesn't prefer or whatever. And a lot of the times uh, those allegations are true because yeah. uh, the whole thing isn't really done under the scrutiny of, you know, an independent third party body like Elections Canada, it's all basically done in house. These are these are nominations that are earned by, you know, the votes of private club members according to the private club's rules. Right. And I mean, I would also point out that even Doug Ford, for example, just totally overrode the nomination process and like appointed eleven candidates. So yeah. like, but like it that is happens. worth noting it is worth noting that you hear a lot of the time if you follow politics, certain candidates alleging that other candidates rigged the process, that the leader stepped in unfairly. Most of the time those those allegations are, are at least mostly true, but they're not quite as serious is what we're talking about here. There, there are situations where a candidate is saying, oh, the prime minister endorsed my opponent and made it unfair for me. Or they changed the date of the nomination to a date that's not preferable for me. Like those sort of things are probably true, but they're not, they're not, they're kind of skullduggery. They're not straight up illegal or breaking the rules. It's, it's In not, this case, it's, it's a bit different. Well, yeah, but it's not actually uncommon for people to like get block voters out to a particular candidate. But it's that's not, organizing. That's yeah, that's, organizing. Well, that's organizing. But I mean, it's also not uncommon for these sorts of things to cross the line into a straight up rigging like, like you know like like that doesn't surprise me those allegations don't surprise me I, generally I, like I put this in a, in a McLean's column and that is the closer you sit to the ground the more likely you are to get dirty these nomination processes tend to be way dirtier than the actual election or political but process it's worth that, noting that, over that, the last couple of years on. the Ontario PC party has been beset by like some of the, probably the highest number and the highest seriousness level of allegations about uh, membership races in the past several decades and I mean you're course, talking about ballot stuffing you're talking about um, bringing in people who aren't actually members you're talking about, you know, covering the membership costs for certain uh, members, which is against the rules. You know, if, if it's literally specified both in the Ontario Elections Financing Act and in your party rules and you're ignoring it, like that is another level than trying to find loopholes or sort of skirting the oh, exact 100%. way. Yeah, yeah, and I'm not trying to defend the PC yeah. party. It has absolutely been beset by these sorts of allegations. It is, is uniquely sort of 
dirty space in the nomination space. And it's also extremely hypocritical because, of course, Doug Ford, when during his leadership campaign, railed against the party and railed against Patrick Bourne and the dirtiness of the party when he was running for leadership. And then, of course, you know, now that he's leader of the party, this now two-year-old tape comes out showing him allegedly engaging in the same kinds of practices. So, yeah, I think it's it's not great for Ford. I don't think the tape is necessarily a um, smoking gun in the sense that it's not entirely clear what's happening in the tape. Like the average person listening to it could be like, well, where is this happening? What's going on here? So in that way, it's not like Doug Ford straight up saying, like, I'm going to rig this nomination for you. Well, but... let's, let's give it a listen. Let's, let's listen to a bit of the yeah, tape. Yeah, let's anyway. listen to the tape. This is a membership for the PC party? Yes, that's right. Yeah. It is? Yeah. yeah. I don't support the PC party. No, I think no. you can support the person. Yeah. Oh, the person. You don't have, you don't have to All vote. Right. This yeah. just allows you to get Tingy in there. Yeah. And then you need help, you call her. Yeah. All right. Okay. So let's do that right here. So we're having a nomination meeting. It's to pick me as a candidate. You as a candidate. All yeah. right. Where are you running? Uh, here in a typical center. So this is an important point, because when he's saying you don't even have to vote, this just means that we're, this is just for us to get King in here. This either means one of two things. Either this means that we're so early on in the nomination process that what Ford's trying to do is he's just trying to get 25 signatures onto Kinga's nomination papers. Or if this is happening later in the process, that raises for me the question about whether or not he's just collecting names from the constituency. Somebody is going to put them into the, the party uh, registry of members so that they can then bus individuals to vote under those names. Like that to me is what I'm not clear about is actually happening here. If this is happening sort of early in 2016, then to me, it seems plausible that what Ford's doing is that he's just he's just trying to, to fill out a nomination paper, which should be filled out by PC party members, but is kind of like a, a relatively petty infraction. But if this is happening in October 2016, as the liberals are claiming, then to me, that raises all kinds of other questions about how this how this nomination went down. I've been trying to avoid speculating about, you know, what the PC party may have done, because I tend to think that usually when you allege that you know people were busted in under fake names, it usually never pans out because there's so much logistics that goes into that. The amount of time you spend trying to create that fraud, you could just go knock on doors and get actual supporters to join you. So it's usually not that efficient. What I believe is happening here and what Doug Ford says that he's trying to get people to sign membership forms, half fill them out and then have Doug Ford himself or someone from the party cut the checks to pay for those members. That is not allowed. You are not allowed to do that. How is that valuable? Like, because because having party members that you pay for that don't vote in anything or whose names don't vote in anything or appear for doesn't benefit you or your candidate. In any well, way. but I think the hope is that, you know, Doug Ford goes there, shakes hands, says, you know, uh, you know welcome to the party. I'm going to sign you up. So then then you have their their phone number. Then a mail ballot will potentially show up you know, on the doorstep. This may have been before Doug Ford was even elected leader of the PC but in, party. But in the nominations, you have to actually physically show up. Yeah. But what if it's Doug Ford trying to get Doug Ford voters? I mean, that's a bit of a different thing. Uh, yeah, if, if, if members the thing that kills me about this, and this is why th- this doesn't make sense, is because Doug Ford already has his own membership, his own lists. Like, that's the whole reason why Doug Ford can organize and why the Fords have always been really good at organizing. They know their members already. They have, li- not necessarily within the party membership, They like every candidate who has any competence in politics has their own lists of supporters. So, like, if he's trying to sign people up to support Doug Ford... You know, this is like the worst, most stupid way to go about Isn't it. Really wandering into Morton's and Etobicoke and yeah, saying, and for him saying, sign up and support me, and this is Doug Ford, and I am a potential future candidate. That's that's great, and that's okay. above the law. But either way, but regardless of the actual intent of why he was doing this, I don't think we're really going to know. It's not allowed 
you're not allowed to pay people's membership fees. Yeah, no dispute. No dispute on that point. So, I just, and he I did just, that. And that's uh, what he seemed to do. That's what we were virtually positive he was doing because, you know, he unless someone from the party called up all those people later and asked them for their credit card information, well, which we they've never claimed. We don't we don't know exactly who paid the fees, who allegedly paid the fees. We don't know that for but sure. But obviously so these people be didn't. Careful. It seems to be. Somebody, somebody, it looks like somebody paid these fees. It seems plausible that somebody took these names that Ford is collecting in the Tim Hortons, put them into the party member registry. That means somebody would have had to have produced a fee. We don't know who those people are. So we got to be careful about our, sure. our, what we say here. Here's the other thing that I would say is that one, the reason why this is even remotely newsworthy, I mean, to be honest with you, most of the members of the public don't care about nomination chicanery because again, it, it's a private club. Mm. If, if these guys want to play dirty, that's kind of what internally, that's kind of their problem. But again, not negating that, mm. he, that he appears to have broken the rules here. So why? Well, why is this public interest? Just, no, I mean, I mean, no, no, I mean, honestly, I, you know, if this were an isolated case, I don't think we'd really care. I mean, this is we would go, mm, that's not really good, but it doesn't seem to be part of a pattern. What we have now is a pattern, a consistent pattern, not just from Doug Ford, but from many in the Conservative Party of Ontario, where they don't seem to care about the rules. They want to get their people into office, and they're kind of willing to do whatever it takes to get there. And it seems to be specific people who keep showing up again and again and again. And I think, you know, basically, we know over the last couple of months or last year, somebody stole the data on 60,000 people from an Ontario provincial registry. It's a registry of people who use the ETR toll highway just north of the city. Now, we know the person who appears to have done that is a conservative party candidate. And his name is Simmer Sandu. He actually resigned after this was leaked and, and it became public that he appears to have stolen this data. Now, we don't know why that data was stolen, but we do know, uh, according to the National Post, um, that a longtime PC organizer who has in the past been convicted of fraud, Snover Dillon, appears to have had that data in his possession. Now, why could that be? You know, I tend to think it's a little bit less, you know, maybe exciting than what others have alleged. I think, you know, this is honestly just a way of augmenting the data they have on Ontarians so that they can more adequately contact them and get them out to vote. Because honestly, the Ontario provincial lists that are handed over to candidates by Election Ontario are not amazing. This data is much better. Either way, this is crazy not okay. There's currently a police investigation into this. Um, there's potential of fraud charges to come out of this. This isn't good. This is maybe one of the most odiously bad political scandals I've seen in, in years. Like this is this is up there. There's a, you know massive data theft. We don't know what it was used for yet. My inclination said it was simply just a way for um, him to basically sell more up-to-date data no, on people I, who I, live no, in no, the no. province. I actually, I actually, I'm willing to um, put forward the theory that, in fact, this is way more nefarious than that, that they just took the names from these, which they could geolocate because they'll have the addresses. They took the names, found the ones that were specific to the writings, allegedly. This is what I think they mm. potentially use them for. And then essentially put those names into the membership list so that they could then bus people in to vote under those names. Hey, vote we, have, we have zero we have zero evidence of that, but that's if I were trying to rig a nomination and I had a giant list of names that I could, you know, peg to specific writings. That's how I would rig a nomination illegally and unethically, allegedly. <laughs> you know, that's how I would go about doing it. Um, so anyway, uh, yeah, I mean, I'm not, I'm not going to defend the PC party or the, the, the dodgy nomination tactics. I'm not going to do that. But I, I think it is also fair that if we're going to talk about this membership thing and the tape, it's we have to talk about where the source of it is. And the source of all of this stuff is coming from the Liberal Party, and the reason why the Liberal 
Liberal Party wants us to be paying attention to this particular scandal is because of who Ford was shilling for. Ford was shilling for a candidate called Kinga Surma. And of course, we also know, um, because it's been leaked into the gutter press over the last couple of weeks, is that allegedly there is an inappropriate relationship between those two people. And that is why this stuff is coming out and why we're focusing on what would otherwise be, you know, internal party politics and internal party dodginess. Um, I mean, the other thing, the important thing to remember about data in particular is that, you know, once a party has your data, they will never let it go. Once anybody who collects data has that information, they will never, ever, ever delete it. They can't. Like, they're like, they're constitutionally incapable of deleting even useless data because it's like, I don't know, I might be able to use it to get some kind of edge in a future, blah, 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 blah. Oh, and weird plug to new legislation on the federal level that it's uh, it's supposed to reform and improve uh, our elections oversight. Uh, The Liberal Party, which is currently in government, decided not to put in any new rules on how parties use our data. So that sucks. Okay, so Justin, uh, what happened to Kathleen Wynne and why do people not like her? You know, it's because she's gay and a woman, isn't she? Isn't well, it? I mean, that's certainly part of it. Some people hate gays, some people hate women, and certainly that doesn't help her numbers. You know, but I, I think honestly, people are fed up. I mean, no government should be in power for a decade, in my own personal belief. Uh, you know, whether it's one person or two people or, you know, an eight person ruling Politburo, I don't really care. We tend to want to switch parties after more than a decade in government, and we're well past a decade in the Liberal Party of Ontario's case. So I think a lot of people are just very much feeling that. I think they wanted to change last time. Uh, and then Tuma Hudak decided to run one of the worst campaigns in recent memory, shadowed, overshadowed only by Doug Ford. Um, so obviously they didn't have much of a choice last time around. So I think it's a lot of fatigue. And honestly, Kathleen Wynne is one of the most cravenly partisan premiers or you know politicians I've, I've re- I can remember. I mean, she really will do anything, you know, including screwing over the, the province's finances, you know, hiding billions of dollars of deficit just for the sake of her own electoral future. And I think that probably comes from a place of her believing that, you know, she's premier mom and that no one else can govern the province as well as she can. But that's not great. Like, it's it's not good. I don't I don't like that. Can I also just I would like to have a comment as a woman here. I'd like to like, like yeah. speak up from the Women's Caucus. And that is, I say, with the obvious caveat that women in politics and particularly women in leadership positions take an enormous amount of completely unacceptable, Mm -hmm. abusive bullshit when they're in power. They absolutely do. It is a problem. It keeps women out of politics. It represses, you know, equal representation between the sexes. It is such an issue, and it's been an issue for Wynne. It's been an issue for Notley. It's been an issue for Clark. It's been an issue for every woman, and it's something that has to be acknowledged. But here's my counterpoint to this, is that as we see more and more women attain power in politics, we are also going to see more and more women lose power in politics yeah. because nobody stays in power forever. So I get very frustrated when I see women who have won very impressive elections, then all of a sudden start claiming sexism or prejudice the second the polls start to slide. Like, yeah, I am aware that Wynne's taken a lot of shit in politics. She absolutely has. And, and my empathy with her is, is enormous. But there's a lot of reasons why people legitimately are not liking the liberals. And I think that when I hear women, you know, only start talking about the sexism they face in politics the second they're desperate to get reelected or they're realizing their poll numbers are, are sliding. To me, that comes across as incredibly disingenuous. And you want to talk about sexism, talk about the fact that Dalton McGinty basically you know, ruined the province's finances, ran into multiple problematic scandals, some of which later resulted in criminal charges for some of his former staff, 
and then dumped all his problems on a woman and took off. You know, well, like and that, that's the trend. And we she see still again. won an election afterwards. Yeah, like, no, amazingly. But, but this is the trend that we see happening over and over and over in politics, and that is parties that are struggling, backsliding, or losing touch with um, their electorates seem to put women on the front, and it's like this magical new rebranding. It gives the whole party this shiny new patina, and then of course the women then go on to win another election. That seems to be, but they can't win a second term. That seems to mm. be the issue. Um, the, the there seems to be a a woman a woman leader bump. Um, that will get you over the hump of a single election. But then it seems like female leaders can't necessarily take it to a second to a second election or second term. And it's it's because I think it has to do with with why these parties choose with female leaders when they do. Um, You know, as I said, it's it's a sign that a party is really struggling, a party party in power. It's a sign that a party in power is really struggling when they put a woman on it, like putting a bird on it, like a hipster. (laughs) Anyway, but but, but the other thing I will also say about the sexism in in this particular race is that it looks very likely that Wynne is about to get um, defeated by a woman. Yeah, exactly. So, like, like, I'm sorry, just these sorts of complaints just don't they don't ring right to me they don't ring true i think that people in in ontario if i'm going by what my dad tells me are just intensely frustrated with the paternalism of this or the maternalism of this particular party and they're incredibly frustrated with pocketbook issues and you know my giant disappointment with the pc party is that they've just completely failed to address you know those two i mean well paternalism a little bit but they've failed to address the pocketbook issues the fundamental issues about spending debt and resource allotment in this province i'm actually very surprised at what has kind of unfolded thus far you've had an election you know that started with the benchmark of we desperately need change and we're tired of Kathleen Wynne ringing up deficits our hydro bills are too high and we want we want responsible government back. Basically, you know, was the kind of the the mating call of the would be conservative premier. And then we had Doug Ford instead. And I mean, obviously, I weep, I, weep, I die. And, and you know, at first, you know, despite the the fears of you know the intelligentsia and the media and the political ruling class, the general voters seemed actually pretty cool with Doug Ford. They didn't seem to love him, but at the very least, I think there was a mentality of. We'll hold our nose. You will hold our nose because you know what? We'll get the deficit under control. It'll help my pocketbook. And, you know, it will be a good brief break from liberal governance. Things can clean up. We can go through the cleaning that these sorts of governments periodically need. It'll be all be okay. And I'm sorry to anybody who may have TVR'd this and not watched it in real time, so there will be spoilers here. Andrea Horvath somehow came out of absolutely nowhere after mounting what three successive lackluster failed attempts to win government. She somehow hung on to her own party leadership. And is now running first in the polls, at least as of this recording, and seems maybe destined to become Premier of Ontario. I think, Justin, it would be no surprise that I'm a little bit more conservative-leaning to you than you in a couple gasp. of key issues. I mean, gasp. It's, it's amazing they even let me into the studio. But, you know, I think that I probably would have been in the camp of, like, hold your nose for Ford. You know what I mean? I think he's got... <laughs> that would be a great button. Hold Just, like, hold your nose for, for Ford. Ford. I will make that button. Um, uh <laughs> And all, for all the reasons that you just perfectly stated, I, I think that a lot of the early sort of he's just Trump light criticism was over the top and a bit hysterical. Didn't you write a column that to that end? Yeah, or... essentially. It was it was just like, look, I don't like Ford. I think that there are some real criticisms that, that could fairly be. I got nailed on the headline of that particular column. I really did. But <laughs> anyway, <laughs> God bless those headline writers, man. They they knew how to get those clicks. They did well. The the column was actually much more ambivalent than the headline was. And and it was basically suggesting that I think that there are real problems with Ford. The, the, the main one for me is that he doesn't seem to understand what the job is. He doesn't seem to be remotely competent to engage in it. You know, even so, I think I thought that, OK, I I'm willing to consider this party, or I would be willing to consider this party if I were a voting member of Ontario, which I'm not. 
which is fun for me. But um, here's what I needed to hear from the PC party. I needed to hear there was that there was some kind of organizing principle of fiscal restraint, that they had some kind of notion about how to get the province back onto balance in a, in a moderate and reasonable way, and some some way to deal with you know the fact that you know this province y'all are sitting on like three hundred and twenty billion dollars of debt. You know your debt repayments are your fourth largest line item. That's twelve billion dollars a year going to debt. Like you all have problems real fiscal problems that need to be addressed in a in an adult responsible way. Y'all have problems but also be good button. Y'all have problems. <laughs> Y'all have real problems. I'm a button machine here. But I haven't heard that from Ford. I haven't heard that from the no. PC party. I've uh, heard about Buck of Beer. I've heard about we're, and we're gonna get into uh, some of the platform thing because I want like, we're gonna dig into the but I just I just I just I just want to say this is that it, to me it seems like the conservatives in this province have been so shit scared by the left for so long that they're terrified of expressing any actual conservative principle. And in the absence of conservative principle or value, all you're left with when you hollow out the soul of any kind of ideology, all you're left with is crass populism. Yeah, and it doesn't it's not enough. And well, it's like, okay, but, for, but, but, this is, but this is my, my final point, and that is when all you're left with are three parties that are telling you that they're going to give you all the goodies and all of the candy, and they're not really necessarily going to have a credible way of paying for it besides raising taxes or going back to the debt well. I mean, then what's the point of voting for the fiscally conservative party? What is the point of voting for Ford when he's promising to do exactly the same thing all the other threes are doing? I think I had the, I had the same problem as you because, you know, honestly— I was thinking long and hard about voting PC. So, you know, I am I am also a, a voter in this province, unlike some people. Um, and I, I generally speaking, because, you know, as a journalist, I don't like picking parties because, you know, I have to look at them every day and I, I know who they are. Um, I usually go for my local candidate, right? And I live in a very NDP riding and I was kind of hemming and hawing. I, I actually, you know, was covering the PC leadership race. I was quite impressed by Carol Mulroney and then I saw her speak and... Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Thought, mm, yeah, huh. but Christine Elliott, Christine Elliott, a wonderfully capable candidate, an actual kind of center right traditional progressive conservative who I think took a couple of weird views that may be uncomfortable, but was otherwise a completely palatable conservative for me. And I would be very happy with her as premier because I am kind of of that mindset of the general part of the province that maybe we need someone to come into office, make a couple tough choices. And, you know, I think there's, you know, a, a good progressive conservative will go, we need new taxes and new revenue sources, and some spending reductions. And you do both of them. And then, despite winning the popular vote, because the Ontario PC rules are what they are, Doug Ford wins anyway. And I can't, like, how can you vote for Doug Ford? Like, he is the most illiberal candidate probably in the country for any party. I, I think that's giving him a lot of credit. I think that's assuming that he has an ideology to speak of. I mean, like, you, in <laughs> no, order to be thing, a liberal, about, you have to make some conscious no, decisions about what you believe in. That is the thing in. about illib illiberalism, is that you're defined by not being liberal. Like, you are, don't have an ideology. Uh, oh, you're man, reflexive gonna, opposition. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm not sure that I agree with you. I think that illiberalism has its own sort of ideology and sort of bugbears and, and viewpoints. And I'm not sure that it is simply the absence of liberalism. But that's a totally different conversation that is. and debate. Let's, let's so, move on, like, let's move let's on to move the one. So, uh, right. Premier right. Harbath. That's 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 what we're left with. <laughs> 
Track your hours, form out the estimate, work out taxes, capture your expenses, chase that late payment, prepare the invoice, submit the proposal. Welcome to the worst part of being a freelancer, otherwise known as paperwork. The good news is that our friends at FreshBooks have created ridiculously easy-to-use counter-clouding software for freelancers that turns tracking these time-sucking, never-ending tasks into no big thing. Send a polished invoice in 30 seconds, set yourself up to get paid online in two clicks, and manage your expenses by taking pictures of receipts from your phone. Oh, and if you need to whip up a quick proposal to land the gig, FreshBooks has you covered. Now you can include an outline of your project, scope of work, and a timeline as part of your estimate. No more switching software, no more fussing over style and formatting, and most importantly, no more wasting your precious time. To find out all the ways FreshBooks will transform how you deal with your paperwork, go to freshbooks.com slash oppo and enter oppo, O-P-P-O, in the how did you hear about us section. Now, there's one thing that has driven me absolutely fucking crazy about Doug Ford, and it's this one specific lie he keeps telling. And it's a lie. Like, you know, I don't always like using the word lie as a journalist because lie impugns motive. But in this case, he's, he's fucking lying. According to Ford, he and his brother, when they ran the city of Toronto, you know, the minutes when they weren't bullying drug dealers into finding the mayor's crack tape, saved the city $1.1 billion. That's billion with a B. He's repeated it practically daily since he's been running for premier. And here's the problem. It's a huge fucking lie. It's not true. And I got so worked up about it that I started yelling at him after Sunday night's debate in the scrum with a bunch of other journalists. You keep using this That's number, $1.1 billion. You keep saying you saved the city of Toronto, $1.1 billion. The reality is that's not true. Spending went up oh, under your brother's administration. In that did. figure is a tax cut that actually cost the city yeah, money. In oh, that figure, there were layoffs my friend, CDC and elsewhere. My fr- my so friend, why do you keep saying it? It's uh, not do, you true. Know, do you know what's funny, my friend? You weren't on budget. I was. Mike Delgrand was a budget chief, best budget chief ever. And when I tell Mike Delgrand we only saved a billion, I get a phone call from him all the time saying, Doug, you're wrong. It wasn't a billion. It was one billion one hundred and sixty million. And even and even 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 the people might not see eye to eye with us. The Toronto Star said, "No, no, it wasn't a billion. It was seven hundred million. Okay, we saved seven hundred according to them. That's fine. Anyways, my friends, we're the only ones with a proven track record that did what they said we were going to do, and that is save the taxpayers' money, put money back in the taxpayers' pocket. And guess what? Not one single person got laid off. And I'm giving you my word: not one single person." is going to lose the job. To the contrary, when the economy gets going, I want to hire more nurses. I want to hire more doctors. I want to hire more teachers. Look, my friend. (sighs) Could you hear my brain just exploding as he was talking? As somebody who actually likes costing out what people say and looking at the numbers behind what politicians say, I don't think I've ever been as offended by a lie as I have by this lie. And there's, there's many other journalists who have done uh, exactly this work. There's several, uh, you know, longtime City Hall reporters who, you know, did the same math that I did, but years prior, like Daniel Dale from the Toronto Star, for example. Uh, there's also Edward Keenan, that also at the Star, done this work. So I have to give a bunch of credit to them. But the fact is, this $1.1 billion figure, in that figure is a $200 million tax cut. So he's claiming that he saved the city money by reducing city revenue. Also in that $1.1 billion figure, I think this is really important, is hundreds of millions of dollars in savings for the city of Toronto. In fact, there were savings that came from layoffs. You know, when Doug Ford says, we did it without laying off a single person, it's not true. They laid off hundreds of people every year. On top of all of this, spending went up. Spending went up, revenue went down. And I do not understand, I honest to God, I, I have no problem saying this, I don't understand how any single principled conservative can vote for this man, or work for him much less. Increasingly, I'm suspecting that very few principled conservatives will. Um, I hate it when politicians promise not to raise taxes and not to cut staff. Because, I'm sorry, when you are in government, 
you don't know what crisis you're actually going to be facing. You don't know what issues you're going to be dealing with at the ministry and the department levels. You don't know what morale issues you're going to be dealing with. And you don't know what kind of um, economy you're going to be saddled with over the next four years. Parties should not be making ironclad promises on anything or pretty much virtually anything during an election. They should say, look, this is who we are. This is what we stand for. But I don't want to hear things like 20% tax cuts because until you're in power and actually hearing from your civil servants and actually hearing from your treasury board in terms of what your situation is, you don't know. Well, but that's not, I, I, mean, just, I, I think that, so that would have been true, that, that would have been true you know, decades ago. But we, we now actually have relatively good insight into exactly what the provincial finances are. I mean, not, not from the budget, but the auditor general, and this is true on the federal level and for most provinces, the auditor general does a pretty good job of actually giving you a good insight to what the real financial situation yeah, is, but not the what the government different. says it is. Running the shit is different. That's Agreed, what I would say. But, you know, I, I, so like, but like, I think without firm promises, then, you know, parties have kind of carte blanche to do nothing. Or do too much. I mean, like, but that's the thing is that they do in our system, they do have carte blanche. Once you elect a majority government, you're electing them to do a job. And that's what we're electing them to do. And, you know, I, I, this is the problem that I have with the platforms is that as a journalist obsess about platforms because it gives us a way to cover um, elections and campaigns in a way that we imagine is very policy driven and high minded. But the reality is almost no voters read platforms and no voter trusts the platform anyway. That's not why voters vote. Voters vote on feelings but, and ballot questions. Need, no, no, no. But, but they do care whether a party platform is off by billion. They, they do care. Like, they care about a, a party's it, ability no, to no, actually no. cost out what they plan to do. And so this is actually- Partisans a, give a no, shit no, no, about this. No, Partisans I, I 100% disagree. This. I mean, we've actually had a very vigorous back and forth in, in, in this province because Andrea Horvath put out a costed platform that, you know, was- by and large, well done to say, you know, this is how much we expect uh, our dental care plan is going to cost us, how much our child care plan is going to cost us, how much we're going to raise in revenue from taxes on the rich and, and so on. And I think those numbers are optimistic at the very least. You know, I think you know, the, the cost will be higher. They're, they're not meaningless. They're I mean, like they have been audited. Like it's, it's, it's not as though they're it's, just putting it's, random numbers on a paper, but no, the most it's, important it's, it's thing here. It's incredible napkin math. That's all it is. No, I think it's more than that. I, I think that, I think it's a little bit cynical about what it actually is. Look, I'm sorry, not sorry, Justin, but I think we just disagree on platforms. You know, I'm really genuinely sorry that you don't happen to have the right opinions about platforms, but I'm not sorry at all about the fact that I'm right and you're wrong. Jen, when you first turned on the Sonos One, what did you think? I thought that I would really like to listen to some Charlotte Diamond so my kid will shut up. <laughs> How does it feel to be able to control your music with your voice? Uh, excellent, but also creepy because on occasion the thing beeps when I don't expect it. Mm. Oh, Mine doesn't do that. Well, I have a very weird kid. Oh. Wait, your kid's beeping or the Sonos is? <laughs> 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 no, my kid says his random baby babble, and then all of a sudden you hear, Vroom. like, you know, uh, like, 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 answer questions. Huh. Or, it's, Maybe it's, they're building a relationship. What have you been listening to? CBC Radio 1 in the mornings and also the daily podcast. Ooh. I can't listen to myself on Oppo. You should listen to Oppo on your Sonos speaker, but I actually can't oh. because I don't like to listen to the sound of my voice. I'm no, you, awful. you get used to it. I don't know how you all get used to it. Like, I don't know how you all put up with me. Oh, I like my own dulcet tones. I'm really no, I'm nasally. I'm nasally. <laughs> and I'm probably an uptalker, too. It's the worst. Yeah. If any of these these uh, answers have intrigued you, Sonos is offering the listeners of Oppo 10% off an order of up to $2,500 for any product on Sonos.com. This offer is available for a limited time only and cannot be combined with other discounts or promotions. Use the promo code OPPO10, capital O-P-P-O-1-0 at Sonos.com to receive this offer. And you can listen to my slightly nasally plugged up voice indefinitely. We'll create hours of content for you. It'll be fantastic. So, Justin, I hear you spoke to somebody who's in charge of some fourth place party. He's the guy that you probably want to vote for if you're 
not comfortable with the main three parties, if the Marxists just seem a little bit too Marxist for you, if the libertarians seem a little bit too libertarian for you, and you don't want to just eat your ballot instead. Mike Schreiner is the leader of the Ontario Green Party, and he's vying for his first seat, probably in Guelph, where he's running. And he came into the studio to chat about the environment, being the fourth place party, and why anyone in the right mind would vote Green. Um, so basically, this is the guy I want to vote for if I want to burn my ballot inside the voting, but like just... I'll let it go to hell. I don't think he'd appreciate that, but sure. If you, if, if you see ashes in the ballot box, that's my vote for Mike Schreiner. Mike, thanks for joining us. Hey, my pleasure, Justin. Okay, so let's just give me the elevator pitch. Why should anyone, especially in an election that is so, um, I don't know what the words are to describe this election, but in this election, why would anyone go green? You know what? Everyone is telling me they're tired of the three status quo parties. They're really not happy with any of their three choices. The only way to change the status quo at Queen's Park is to vote for a new party with a new vision and a new way of doing politics. That's the Green Party of Ontario, and that's what elected Greens across the country and around the world are delivering. What specifically is is all that different from the Green Party of Ontario versus the Ontario NDP or the Ontario Liberal Party in some cases? Because you have a lot of overlap in terms of policies with both of those parties. Of course, there's a couple of things that you you support that they they have not touched or they have not fully committed to. But you know what specifically sets you apart enough to take a risk with you know a, a fourth party that uh, thus far has never elected an MPP into the Ontario Legislature? So I think what's happening happening in British Columbia is an example of why we need strong green voices at Queen's Park. Three green MLAs holding the balance of responsibility in a minority government and really holding the NDP accountable on staying true to some of their principles. A classic example of that is their waffling on liquefied natural gas. And Andrew Weaver just pulled them back from that and said, you know what, if we're going to address climate change, we have to move away from liquefied natural gas. I can do the same thing at Queen's Park, and I'm particularly concerned about the fact that the NDP platform barely mentions the environment, hardly mentions climate change. It almost seems like an afterthought, even though, you know, arguably that's the biggest threat we face as a society. Do you think Ontario can realistically get to 100% renewables, potentially without Quebec, because, you know, what Quebec ends up doing 40 years from now, 50 years from now is, you know, a big open question. For Ontario to build enough capacity of renewables just for itself— it's going to require an incredible amount of wind turbines, solar panels, potentially tidal or its own hydro projects. Is that actually doable even in the next 40, 50 years? I mean, is that even feasible? We've already built a significant amount of, of wind capacity in this province, and it's it's not the most efficient. Well, I mean, first of all, you know, there's been professors like Mark Jacobson at Stanford and others that have shown how jurisdictions like Ontario can put ourselves on a pathway to 100% renewable energy by 2050. Cities, countries, jurisdictions across the world are making that commitment and starting to deliver on it. Uh, so absolutely we can. I mean, even the Ontario Water Power Association says there's um, about 5,000 megawatts of untapped water power alone in Ontario. So about 2,000 megawatts of run of river. So we're not talking dams and things, which I know can be controversial. And about 3,000 megawatts of storage. And that storage is so critically important because that's how you make wind energy in particular more efficient is to have that storage capacity. And then you combine that with um, smart grid technologies as well as the rollout of electric vehicles, which can also be used as storage. You know, back in January, the state of Colorado put out a tender uh, for um, any source of electricity generation and the cheapest bid, cheaper than coal, cheaper than nuclear, cheaper than gas or oil was actually solar plus storage and wind plus storage. So we want to position Ontario to capture the dramatically declining price for renewable energy 
to help uh, one help keep our bills down and two help move us to 100% renewable energy by 2050. What is your pitch? Because you know, in a normal election, um, you know, where you have kind of a, a mainstream conservative, a mainstream liberal, mainstream New Democrat, I think the green pitch is you know, actually does entice you know, a lot of people in this election, everyone left of center, including, I think, a whole bunch of conservatives who are not willing to actually say it are freaked out by Doug Ford and are, uh, you know, taking even those who I think are skeptical of you know, strategic voting pitches are now strategically voting because they're freaked out by by Doug Ford. Is that making it hard for you to convince anyone to jump ship to the Green Party? Well, in my home writing of Guelph, absolutely not, because I, in many respects, am the quote, strategic vote to stop the conservatives in Guelph, even though I dislike using that term because I really think people should vote for what they believe in. I mean, we're never going to have the government that you want if you don't believe in the party you're voting for. Uh, and so I really dislike this whole vote out of fear. Don't vote for what you want because you got to stop something that you don't want even more. In Guelph, my home writing, uh, you know, I did very well in the last election. I almost got second place uh, and it's traditionally been a liberal writing. And what I'm hearing at the door and what we're seeing in terms of people coming in and out of our office and also seeing in the numbers out there is that a lot of people are saying, you know what, we are tired of the liberals. Like, you know, it's just they're past their best before date. We want something different. There is no way we are going to support a Doug Ford-led conservative party. And Mike, you're the next option. You're the person who's been a champion for Guelph. You're the person who's been working here for a long time, championing Guelph, being a strong voice for Guelph. And let me give you a couple concrete examples of that. So one, in the last election in 2014, I ran a campaign to help protect Guelph's water from a local quarry called the Dolime Quarry, which is a direct threat to the quality and quantity of Guelph's water. I was able to bring all four party candidates together to do a news conference saying we all four wanted the provincial government to take action to protect our water. That is doing politics differently. And so I think people respect the fact that I'm able to find ways to collaborate instead of just wedge issues that push people apart. I want to give you a second example of that. And that's an issue that's a hot button issue in this election right now. And that's the minimum wage. The Green Party is saying we support raising the minimum wage. Nobody should be working full time and living in poverty. At the same time, we are calling for lower payroll taxes on small businesses so they can afford to pay workers a living wage and create more jobs. And so that's a win-win situation. Whereas if you think of how the conservatives and liberals are approaching this, Doug Ford is using it as a wedge issue saying, you know what? We can't afford to pay workers a living wage. The premier is using it as a wedge issue saying, you know what? Let's pit employees against their employers. And we're saying, let's find a win-win solution that works both for local business owners and nonprofits, which are affected by it as well, and works for workers paying them a living wage. And in a community, especially like Guelph, where there's over 8,000 small businesses, more small businesses per capita than almost any city in Canada, that kind of win-win politics is resonating with people. And they are they want that kind of leadership and they would like to see that kind of change at Queen's Park. I feel like the premier really ruined the phrase win-win. Um, there is but, a bit of that. <laughs> hit me with one policy from the Green Party of Ontario that maybe we wouldn't think of being a Green Party policy or one that maybe doesn't kind of rise up enough or one that you really want to underline because, you know, I, I think in an election where it is really a lot of variations on a theme, I want to hear something that uh, that maybe one of the other parties has never even contemplated. I want to give you a social justice one because nobody thinks it can be done. And that's basic income guarantee. 
we, if you look at our fiscal plan, we have a fiscal plan to pay for a basic income guarantee in Ontario. So we would immediately increase social assistance rates to the basic income pilot that the Liberals have put in, in year one. And we would do that by canceling the unfair hydro plan, which falsely subsidizes electricity rates. That's costing Ontario $3.5 billion a year. That's the down payment on a basic income guarantee. By the final year of the mandate, year four, we can show you how to fully implement it through uh, canceling the unfair hydro plan, increasing taxes on the largest, biggest corporations by 1.5%, and a 1% on the 1% surtax for the highest income earners in Ontario. And so nobody thinks that a basic income can actually be paid for. We have shown how we can do it. And here's why it is so important. You know, we have a changing economy. There's more small business owners now, more freelancers, more temporary work, more contract work. And so in that type of an economy, we have to change our social assistance programs to make sure nobody falls through the cracks. And so if you're going to be a freelancer or an entrepreneur or start your own business or whatever, having that basic economic security, knowing that you're not going to fall through the floor gives you the security you need to be an entrepreneur, to be an innovator. And that's what we need to be economically successful. And the fact that we've come up with a way to deliver that program and to cost it out, I think can be a game changer for Ontario. Okay. So election day, election night, we get the results in. My God, it's a three-way tie. The Ontario Liberal Party, NDP, and the Conservatives all have the same number of seats. I don't know what the math is on that, but they have the same number. (laughs) But you've won your seat in Guelph. Who will you make premier? You know what? That will have to be an issue-by-issue negotiation. But we have released a vision book at gpo.ca slash vision and nine platform priorities. And so we would, our negotiations would be around those platform priorities. We've talked about many of them right now. But one that's not listed there that is essential for me is a conversation about proportional representation. I think that's essential. We need more democracy, not less democracy. And so I would be looking to negotiating with any one of those three parties around our nine priorities and proportional representation. Wrong answer. You should have said, whichever party is willing to make me premier. <laughs> Thanks for coming on, Mike. No worries, Justin. Anytime. Well, that was oppo. I'm glad you learned something, Justin. Yeah, I learned that you don't think parties should have platforms. So that's cool. It's time for some more listener feedback. Alex Banks on Twitter says, Just listen to the Oppo cast without Jen Gerson. Like going to a Beatles concert and it's just a 90-minute Ringo drum solo. Aw, thanks, Alex. Aw, thanks. Thanks for calling me the best Beatle. <laughs> yeah, I was about to say 90-minute drum solo would be not bad. A Ringo drum solo, no less. I bring the psychedelic charm to the, to the team. I believe this is from our iTunes review. Meh, by Secret Frequency. I was hoping for more from the show. I'd wanted a spirited debate, but instead it's just tiresome. I've listened to all of the episodes so far, hoping they'd find their stride, but it's mostly a rehash of arguments that have been made better on Twitter. It's true. Twitter is Twitter's the place to go now. I think the personalities of the two hosts don't make for an interesting show together, which isn't to say they wouldn't work on another platform. I'm unsubscribing. Well, I actually think that's fair. I'm unsubscribing too. Next one is a single star review entitled Nope by Bug-Eyed Earl. Jen Gerson has the politics of a graying central Canada, 55-year-old editorial page hack, transposed into the body of a mid-30-year-old woman who lives in Calgary. This is fair. Edgy. Justin Ling is okay. Aw, I guess. Uh, But his politics are mediocre at best, and he shouldn't be framed as any kind of lefty just because he lives in Toronto. I actually think that's also fair. That's (laughs) That's actually, that's completely, that's completely legit. 
It's Okay by Yu Tower. It's <laughs> terrible. No, 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 no. It's Yu Yu Yu. Yu Odo Tower is terrible. Yodo Yodo Oh, oh Yodo 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 <laughs> No, 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 no. Three stars. Yo Odo Wur is terrible. So don't go to your order word. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. Three stars. The topics are pretty interesting, but the hosts are only 30% as funny as they think they are. Well, that's I'll Can- take it. That's Canada that for you. That makes me pretty funny, actually. Like, you know what? That's 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 Canada for you, man. We're the best. We're the best this country's got. <laughs> we want you to know. We actually do want to know what you think. Email us at oppo at canadalandshow.com. You can find us on Twitter and Facebook at oppocast. The next episode of oppo will be out in two weeks. Canada Land's original deep dive politics show comments will be out next week and of course next week is also the ontario provincial election so if you live in the province go vote even if you just eat your ballot this episode was produced by david crosby for canada land media our managing editor is kevin sexton music by nathan burley i have the last word this week and that word is yoderer <laughs> yoderer <laughs> Yo, 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 That's all I got. <laughs>